World champion javelin thrower Fatima Whitbread joins us on How To Be 60 today. Hers is a really remarkable story. Please listen on to the end. Her life started as an abandoned baby of three months old, but she was determined that would not define her. The best thing that's ever happened for me is having my my son. Um, it was important for me to break the mould um, as a parent because I, I had such a terrible upbringing. And yeah, and to be honest, I mean, the most important thing for me was to be a good parent. And I'm wondering how to be 60. It's scaring the shit out of me. Hi everyone, it is How To Be 60 time with me, Kay Adams and Karen McKenzie and we've both had lovely cardamom buns, haven't they been good? Oh, they were gorgeous, they were absolutely lovely. I've not had any lunch, so that went down a treat. And I'm surprised you didn't moan about it because you didn't make it yourself. But it I do make a cardamom bun. Do you? Yeah, Felicity Cloak in the Guardian, she had a great... Oh, you're she so pretentious! No, it's, a, it's in the magazine oh, on the Saturday, oh, she does a great Cloak thing. from the Guardian. And it's the best way to do it. Uh, uh, uh. And uh, she did cardamom buns and, oh God, they came out, <laughs> mind you, I did cut them the wrong way first because you're supposed to cut them into strips, right, and then do a sort of twirly thing. So they end up, anyway, I cut them the wrong way. So I only ended up with four massive buns instead Fantastic. of 16 small buns. You know, then I had to cut them into squares before I froze them. Did Otherwise, you? Stephen would have eaten the whole thing. Yeah, they're beautiful though, aren't they? I think you're a bit mean with Stephen. Do you? Do you control um, his calorie intake? I try to. <laughs> Ah, he's a wee bit daft. He doesn't realise that carbs after seven o'clock at night are not going to do him any good. How old is he now? <laughs> How old is he now? <laughs> he's older than me. <laughs> well, exactly. Let the man eat what he bloody well wants. I know, but it's not good for his health. Oh, my Lord. Anyway, no, listen. I know. I was hearing anyone else saying that. Think, for God's sake, get off his back. I know. I mean, you're a control freak, aren't you? I mean, I, I am. And there's no doubt about it, and it's horrible, and I don't like admitting it, but here we are. You cut it's recipes out, out of the Guardian. You yeah, make what's, them, the, what's so controlling about that? And you control oh, what your partner eats. I mean, That's it's because just, he'd eat the whole flaming lot, and I'd get none left. I think oh. you're going to have to change your name to Persephone. I, I just think I don't understand that. Well, it just, you know, something sort of pretentious, middle class and controlling. And for right. any Persephones out there, I really, really do apologise. Do you think there are any people out there called Persephone? <laughs> There'll be a couple, I think. Yeah, yeah, a couple. Anyway, yes. only 12 more sleeps. Okay. 12 more sleeps until I'm 60. Okay. How are you feeling? I'm actually getting weirdly excited. Have you, are you now? Yeah, because the build-up has been for so blooming long. And it's, it's like right. any finishing line, you get excited when you see it approaching, even if on the other side of it is a cliff and jagged rocks at the bottom, which <laughs> it might well be. But it's still exciting to see um, a line at the end. Have you thought what you're going to get me? Yes. Well, have you? Mm -hmm. Oh, really? Look at you. Oh, how exciting. It's lit up like a wee I don't child. Want, I don't want a thing. I what do you mean you don't want a thing? I, I want an experience. Well, actually, I'll tell you what I do want. Go to hell. The experience is being me being here with you every week. That's <laughs> enough. No, no, I've decided if anyone's going to get me presents, and this isn't an appeal for presents, but I'm going to say this to my family, I don't want a thing. I want an experience. Because, you know, what's the point of having a thing? I mean, let's say somebody gets me a watch. Well, how long am I going to live? I'm getting you a watch. So I'm not going to have that watch for very long or a piece of jewellery or whatever. So you'd be better to have an experience. Can we have examples, please, of what you would like rather than what you wouldn't like? Well, I, I don't want to jump out of a plane. I don't mean that kind of experience. But I don't know, you know, tickets yeah. for the theatre or a concert or, you know, stuff stuff like that that's going to enrich I mean, I can life. make some tablet. I'm not going to. But that's oh. an experience eating it. 
Your tablet. Hi. That's the experience of watching your teeth fall out before you. True. I tell you what I want. All right. And that is your butt. That's mine and mine only. Just to let people know out there, Karen has a surprisingly pert bottom. <laughs> Caroline's been working on it. That's my PT. My <laughs> She's God. been working on it for about four years and it's actually working, isn't it? I don't notice it because I can't see it. I'm too much turn around. I mean, um, really, you're one of those people. Thank you, know, you Clay. I'm going to take that as a compliment. Oh, no, thank I don't. You. You're going to no. wait to see what I'm going to follow up oh, with. Right. You're what they call you a 60 20. All right, you turn around and you look like <laughs> hell. You're 20 from behind and you're 60. <laughs> from the front. Listen, I'm quite happy being 63 <laughs> now. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased though. You'd envy, you envy my butt. I do envy your butt because I've got... So like, you've got your 32 double Ds. Yeah, that's and a right. floppy bum. Well, they call it a thass, apparently. And, and what is a thass? So it's your ass just slides into your thighs. And that's not a good look. Do you know, it, it just kind it's of just goes flat. under. It's flat. Yeah, or they call it a chass, a chair It's not ass. a good look, is it? It's not, it's horrible. No, have you never thought of working on it? Well, I'm going to start working on oh, it now. Oh, so this I is am. the experience. That's so you could experience. ask for couple of sessions yeah or i could get a brazilian bum lift if i was feeling lazy but i'm not going to do that no i wouldn't no no i'm, I'm going to work on it so this You'd time you look like you're 28 or whatever the hell it next is. next year by the time i get to 61 i'm going to have rock hard oh, buns really yeah mm -hmm. i'm supposed to cardamom buns as opposed to cardamom <laughs> buns um so this week we're going to be speaking to fatima whitbread who I is know. of course olympic medalist yes. a javelin world gold medalist a former bbc sports personality of the year um <laughs> she did celebrity sas recently on channel 4 oh my god have you ever seen that no no i mean it is just i mean when they first started that it was like one of those tough outward bound type things but they've just ramped it up I, there is I mean, like, nothing appealing about putting yourself through that at all I can't. I'd rather do the celebrity jungle thing, and that's hell on she's earth. She's done that as well. Oh, she's done that sakes. as well. Yeah, 2011, she came third. Oh no, the really? The woman's a machine. Her oh, butt she is. Her butt will look my make my butt and your butt look like two shriveled grapes um, from last year's Christmas. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> I was gonna, oh, I did, and do you know what? I had grapes before. Well for my breakfast this morning i'll never eat grapes again after no, that actually okay, yeah. yeah and when they're shriveled they're not mm. no do you, have you ever put grapes in the freezer why would i do that well in the summertime uh grapes straight from the freezer you can just eat them they're lovely they're not like iced they're mm. you can still sink your teeth in. they're beautiful they're wonderful try them key try it's an experience like i always I'll maybe say, get you a pint of grapes you've just got too much time in your hands that you're just walking around your house looking for things to do like in randomly oh i'll put grapes in the fridge yeah. um how was your birthday what did you get for your birthday did you get experience or things <laughs> well uh lisa gave me um we the pair of us went on a little uh course for, for christmas wreath making did you know i sent you a photograph did you even look at it <laughs> Oh, just saw, did you not even open the Christmas wreath yeah. making? Oh my God! I'm not. I'm insulted. Either that you let me have a look. 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 Hang on. Let me have a look. No, you clearly didn't look. Well, would you look if you saw a text <laughs> entitled "Christmas wreath no. making"? Would God, you? I didn't Seriously? entitle it anything. Let God me have a look. Almighty. Let me. Oh my God! Isn't that beautiful? It's very it's tasteful. It's a few twigs with a bit of oranges stuck in it. Worst, I'd like to see that. you tackle that. And a couple of cinnamon sticks cinnamon tied buns. to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You could have put bobbles and ribbons and, and berries on it, but I wasn't. I thought I'd stick You weren't feeling really joyous tasteful. that day, were you? No. no. So that was her birthday present to you? 
the I don't know if it's kind of birthday or Christmas because it's all sort of merged yeah. into Is that the one you yeah. don't get on with very well? Stop <laughs> it, my lovely Lisa. <laughs> Let's do some emails before we speak to Fatima. Uh, this is from Tina. I love this email. So Tina says, I wanted to share my story. I'm approaching 55 and my best gal pal. Uh, we both decided to move to the coast from Hertfordshire, both originally Londoners. I absolutely recommend moving with your best mate. Huh. Handed in my notice after 30 years and a very stressful job. Um, so she had debts from a toxic divorce in 2016 and wanted a simpler life to walk on the beach and restart living. We landed in Skegness a year ago, hadn't looked back. Moving into the winter, we got to make friends with people who live here and we both volunteer front of house at the local theatre. You could maybe be starring in a play <laughs> in Tina's local theatre in the future. Lincolnshire is beautiful, she says. Now I'm 56 retraining to be a reflexologist oh, so I right. can work for myself part-time. Unexpectedly in March, I met a wonderful man. We got engaged last oh month. Oh my God, that's brilliant. Isn't it? Neither of us are in a rush to get married, plan to do it in the next couple of years. Both got wonderful families. Oh, it's inspiring to hear that other women of our age have made those decisions to change their lives. I'm late to podcasts, but have been enjoying them in the car over the last few weeks. Thank you. And your guest from Tina. Oh, that's wonderful, isn't, isn't it? it? I really, really loved that one. It was good. It was good. Oh. Well done, Tina. That's a great story. Well done. Did that sound patronising? I was just thinking, are the three of them all living in the one house now? Or do the friends, two friends... It's not a menage a trois. <laughs> and we're not suggesting <laughs> that. No, I'm not suggesting that. I was just For wondering God's whether... For God's sake, why have you the... got to pour cold water on a really nice story? All I was asking was the friend that came with her... Now she... you're saying that Tina and her friend and this man are up to something dodgy. Might be very pleasant <laughs> for them all. Move on. <laughs> What's the next one? I've got one here as well, actually. This is from Wendy. Morning, ladies. Loving the podcast and the chat between you and the guests after listening to this week's episode with Phil Vickery. Mm -hmm. I had to say I totally agree with him. Sometimes it can be a lonely place in a relationship. Making the decision to end a relationship is so tough. But in some cases, it is the sensible decision to make. Having made that decision a few years ago, I can honestly say that living alone, I am not lonely. Great. That's great, isn't it? Yeah. Sounds anyway, yeah, you've anyway. got your little I've email. I've got one Go on here with your from little Michelle. Email. And um, hi, Kane, Karen. Don't know what I said, but you are so right, Karen. I love Kate never answers your questions. You once asked if she'd ever faked it. Faked what? Well, what being nice to you? Do you think it was the orgasm? Well, I have no idea what you're talking about. She I, never anyway. gave an answer. Listen, I'm into pegging now. Of course now. I've left she all that has. Us. You fake that. <laughs> Can I say, we all need a giggle. So, yes. Do you know, that's Any a conversation for another day. I'm going to speak, we're going to speak to Fatima now, but that is a conversation for another day. What, faking it, it? Yeah, because there is this sort of thing you're almost jibing at people, did you fake it? It's, you know, well, yeah, maybe people did. And so what is wrong with that? Have, Have you, you ever... Oh, yeah, probably have. I, have. I have. probably have. You either know. Well, I mean, I can't bloody remember. I have. Who remembers when they faked an orgasm? I do. Because you don't put that in your diary, do you? No, faked but you it remember last night. it because you wonder whether they actually suspected. Oh, no way. If I'm not? tired, I'll do whatever I need, I tell you, to get, to get out of the situation. Oh, anyway, anyway, there we go. Shall we move on? How did yes. we get to there? I Well, it's Kate, it's you. You gear that you guide this conversation always, always, always in always. your direction, Fatima. I'm sorry to bring you. I'm sorry to bring you. I'm 
on such I've an been in- well entertained in the last <laughs> few years. <laughs> what an indelicate conversation to bring well, you. My in hair's on. gone even curlier than it normally is. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, we can guarantee that you don't have a, a bum that slides into your thighs, mm. Fatima. You must be able to blooming crack nuts with yours. Well, you know, it's been a lifetime of training, Kay, so it's not going to be difficult to have a nice firm perk backside. So, um, But as, as we get older, you know, you can't defy the law of age. Sometimes these things just happen. Yeah. Um, and, it's, and DNA as well. Sometimes we have to look at the fact that that's what we've been given. Yeah. So, Maybe I was right. born with a flat arse. No, I was Maybe just that's get, I was saying, you're just giving her a license to do hee-haw about it. No, you've got a year of working to do, Kay, on that. I've got a perfect, perfect birthday present for you anyway, Kay, if you might, may well help on the backside. You can, have, you can have a few sessions, training sessions with me. I'll take you. <gasps> yes. Oh <laughs> my can you imagine God. a training session with Whoa. Fatima Whitbread? <laughs> I do end to see that. You would destroy me, Fatima. Oh my God, you're right, you would. <laughs> oh, can you this imagine? It would have to. It'd have to be broken into 15-minute segments. That's all you could manage. I know, I know. Push. So what is your kind of workout regime these days? Um, but on an average, I would say, I mean, I, I enjoy marathon walking, but on an average, I like to train every day, two or three hours. I mean, it's it's a lifestyle for me. Um, there are two areas here, Kay. One was it was a chosen career in sport. So, I mean, sport really was my saviour as a kid anyway. Um, and I find it a lot easier to to keep into the program that I do, not at the same level, not at the same level intensity, but definitely a couple hours in the gym. And I would also stick a, a, an hour or so walking or running. Um, my little dog drags me out all the time. So that's, that's extra um, in terms of uh, fitness levels. But no, I like it. I mean, that's it's been my life, you know. And but I mean, so fitness has always been part of your life, and it it will always be. But taking on a challenge like Celebrity SAS um, yeah. is a whole different level. Why did you want to to go into that? I mean, you were probably the oldest competitor, and I'm not saying that should be relevant. I don't know whether you felt it was relevant by yeah, a good is. thirty years. So SAS, when they asked me who dare wins, they asked me three three times. I think that was the third time they asked me. I realised the clock was ticking away. I'd already turned 60. And I thought, well, if I'm going to do it, I must do it now. Because I think leaving it any later, the fun will go out of it for me. I mean, I, I'm someone who's very competitive too. So when if I do something, I like to do well at it. I just don't want to participate as make the numbers up. I actually like to give a, a good account of myself. So, yeah, I decided that this was probably the right time for me to do it. And uh, I managed to stay quite far, even though I'd had three cracked ribs on the second day that I... Yeah, this I is what I wanted it. to ask you about. This is what I read about. Three broken ribs and you kept it quiet. Yeah, because, I mean, it was really hard because, I mean, we all jumped out the, the helicopter, as they asked. You have to hold your burden and they tell you, like, let the burden go. Because if you're going in behind enemy lines, basically, you don't want to be letting that burden go way before you jump out the helicopter. Because if it's at night time, you've got to go around and try and find your bag. Um, otherwise, you're alerting the enemy that you're in, in town, as it were. So I thought, right, I'm going to let this bag go. And it did a perfect jump. But unfortunately, I forgot there was a metal handle on top of the bourbon. And what they didn't tell us was just push that bag away a little bit, you know, so that it doesn't bounce back up and hit you. And that's what happened to Pete Wicks. He knocked himself out. The yeah. bag 
bounce back off the water. And for me, it wasn't just the Bergen. The, the handle sheared up my left breast, which was extremely painful. But we had water bottles on our belts. And the water bottle also bounced off the water and it hit everybody in the ribs. Some of us had a lot more trouble than others. But, you know, you I didn't realise I'd had damage to my ribs. I thought it was just because I'd got my left breast sheared with the, the metal handle. So I just carried on. I didn't want to say anything. Otherwise, they, as you know, they pull you. And I didn't want to be pulled. It was too early into the process, really. So I just carried on. But but why? I mean, you don't need to prove yourself, Fatima. You, you are a world champion athlete. You know, former BBC <laughs> sports person. Why would you, at the age of 61, want to put yourself through that? Um, I guess I'm always somebody that looks on that other side of the fence. Well, why not? You know, because, I mean, even though you're 60, life begins at 60. There are lots of things that we can still achieve. And if we go into it thinking, no, we're, we're 60, we shouldn't be doing it, then we're likely chances are that you won't do it. And the fact is, when you do do something, you don't realise just how good you are or how far you can go um, without actually giving it your best shot. And then I, I kind of felt that I was still capable of such a lot, having sort of kept fit over the years. I just wanted to put myself to the test and see what this old Billy could do against these youngsters. <laughs> so I was, I was quite keen to... To, to sort of roll my sleeves up and get stuck in. And, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. And I, I felt I held my own for quite some time in there, you know. So the age thing was in your head. I mean, you said it there, old Biddy. We should give you a row for that because I'm not allowed to make jokes about myself <laughs> with age anymore. Um, I just don't know you very well. But, <laughs> yeah, she's, give her another five minutes and she'll start giving you a row as well, Fatima. But you used the words old Biddy against these youngsters. So that was clearly in your head. It was. I mean, I went in with the view to the fact that I was 60. I am now 60. I thought, well, this is my time. If I'm going to give it a go, it's now or never. And I wanted to see what a, an older Whitbread could do against what a younger Whitbread would have achieved. And I just wanted to put myself to the test to see if I still had it, if I still was able to achieve a certain level of, of, of uh, excellence. And I was quite surprised, you know, that I was able to. Some of the younger ones, when we were hanging off the monkey bars, they were falling off so easily. And yet I was I'm not able to jump down. It was a big drop anyway. And I didn't want to jump down because of my ribs. But I wasn't ready anyway because I could have hung there for a couple of minutes quite easily. And that was the task. They said, everybody's got to hang up there for two minutes. If anybody comes down, you're all down and you have to start again. And, of course, oh. they, they did. They did. They fell one by one. And um, and then I had to ask um, Callum, I think it was, to help me down because I was stuck up there because I didn't dare to drop with my, my ribs being um, in a lot of pain. So, yeah, I mean, I, I was happy with the situation. I wonder, well, obviously you're physically very strong, but you're obviously psychologically very strong. Yeah. Um, and the other element of SES was, of course, they like to get you in and sort of see, you know, what your background is and what your potential, um, it's not weak spots, that's the wrong expression, but sensitive bits are. Yeah, um, vulnerable bits, yeah. They strip you back and look for your vulnerability. I mean, for me, I mean, my, my, my upbringing has been well documented. I, I was abandoned as a baby. And um, some would say left to die. And of course, um, from that, 
from from being taken into care for the first 14 years of my life. Um, it, it's, it, it was that that gave me the inner strength of which I draw on day in, day out, because, I mean, when you're on your own and you're living in an institution like that for 14 years and you don't know where you're going, you don't know, you, know, you don't have anyone that you can really connect to on a one-to-one -one, um, and the love and the security around you, I mean, it's just so uh, turbulent. There's none, you know, and, uh, and you've got... 25 other kids there were in one of our homes and they're all emotionally disturbed so you can it's a sea of emotional disturbance you can never settle down um, and never rise above it because you're always I mean I, I personally I, I, I looked after a lot of the younger ones and I was I was only five myself by that age I recognized that these youngsters that were coming in they all wanted a mummy or dad you know so they needed somebody they could you know connect to um, so that gave me a, a, a sort of a tough exterior. You know, I, I built up a lot of security walls around me so that I wouldn't get disappointed in, in, and uh, hurt, um, and no more so than than a lot of us kids were. And but we had, I had a, a bright star that shone in my life from the children's homes. Her name was Auntie Ray, Mrs. P. And she was one of our seventy-two hour lady. And she used to come in and, and wake us up in the morning. She was a Cockney lady and she had a very big heart, very kind, very loving lady. And she'd come in and look after us kids. And she, I'd love to stay under the sheets in the morning, and wait for her to wake me up. And she'd come, come on, could you, could you, could you? And she'd start your day off on the right foot. Hmm. I remember with Auntie Ray, I said to her, I, I, I picked some daffodils from around the area that I lived. And I knocked on her door and I said, uh, and, I, and when she opened it, I gave her the, the daffodils and I said, will you be my mummy? And she said, oh, fats. She said, um, come round. She said, come round to the kitchen and, and have a cup of tea and a biscuit with me. She said, and we'll have a little chat about this. So I, I thought, oh, I've been naughty now. I've not only picked the daffodils from around everybody's gardens, I was going to get like telling off. But she sat me down. She said, look, she said, I can't be just mum to you, she said. I've got to come in and I've got to be mum to all the other children too, she said. But here's the thing, she said, when I'm not on duty, she said, those kids need somebody. She said, why don't you be their mum, act as their mum? She said, because in giving, you receive. And, and that taught me a very big lesson in life, you know, that you, you shouldn't really um, look inwardly, look outwardly and in looking after those other kids and giving them the love and, and, and support that they needed and um, also fulfilled my need as well. So, yeah, I think I'm a great believer in that. You know, you, you, you know in sharing is caring, you know, and uh, that's the way I go through my life. I don't want to live my life as a victim. And I think it made me a stronger character. And going back to what you're saying, my inner strength doubled up my physical strength whenever I was competing because I was quite a tough cookie to break. When did you get to this place? Because, you know, that sounds so, um, you know, so mature and so generous for you to take that line. But I'm still thinking of the kid. Yeah. You know. That kid's still in me, isn't it? It's a work in progress. I mean, you forever always will be triggered by things that come your way, whether it be in, in relationships with the family or with friends or in the workplace. I mean, 
uh, I suffered a lot of abuse and I suffered sexual abuse as well by the mother's lover. And really, I was, I guess, an angry young woman for, for a while uh, and an emotional wreck. I couldn't stu um, study very well at school because I was too emotionally disturbed. Um, and yet I found myself in sports and that was my saviour because it was a sense of freedom. Uh, it helped me to uh, develop my confidence and, and self-belief that I was worthy of someone and something in life. And uh, I was able to also earn some respect from my peers too because academically I felt that I, I really um, wanted to succeed but couldn't because I was emotionally disturbed and I couldn't concentrate at school. I was, I was again, I was learning how to deal with all these things that were going on in my life and and the physical and mental abuse that which I was suffering from, and also trying to be mum to some of the other kids too. So yeah, I mean there was a lot, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of things going on uh, as a youngster, but and I. Finding the love of the Whitbread family helped me enormously. It wasn't without its problems at first, because as always, as any family, when they take on a child from care and institutionalised like that, it's a big, you know, a big step in their lives too. But they were very kind and caring. And I think my mum, at the time, we didn't know this, but she was undiagnosed bipolar. And it was a difficult stage for her too, because she had two young boys, um, Greg, who was four at the time, and Kirk, two. They're, they've only ever known me as big sis. And because I was used to being in children's homes with a lot of kids, I was able to deal and help her with, with the upbringing of the, the, the two boys. It, it, was a um, it was a good marriage in terms yeah. of, you know, we helped each other through our problems and, and, and you know, the traumas of, of what was going on in our lives. And my dad also was, my my, my adoptive dad was also a very calm sort of guy. And he worked in the local docks at Perfectly Deep Wolf there. And uh, when he came home, he'd sit at the table wherever I saw him. My dad was reading his book and smoking a cigarette. And, mm. you know, that was sta stabilising for me. And when I got to the Whitbread family, it was that it was only then did I realise I was being humanised. I mean, I was a very, very lucky young lady to, and, <clears throat> at 14 years of age. 14. And did she become mum? It took time. I mean, she, of course, she's my mum. I mean, I mean, I, both uh, my she was my coach and and, and and I was athlete, but also she, mum and daughter, both of us conquered the world. Um, but there, there was a lot of there was a big gap there, obviously, one of, of transitional period for both the family and myself, and and, and settling in. Um, and um, it wasn't too difficult because. And that was the one thing I craved to have was the love and security of a family. And I was keen to help my mum as much as I could and my dad and the two boys, obviously, they only ever knew me, like I say, as big sis. So it was easy to to look after them and help my mum. What, what do you think? I wonder what would have happened if, that, if you hadn't met her? If... I'd have been a little rascal, wouldn't I? <laughs> I would have been fighting my way through life, I'm sure. Okay, somewhere or another. I mean, but you know what? You were that. so let down. You were so yeah, the, let down. The, the system didn't help me either because the system decided they wanted to, to take me 
uh, the home that I knew only as my family and, and, and at the age of five, because I was told by the house matron in the home one uh, morning, she called me from the top of the staircase. She said, Fatima, she said, tomorrow morning, be downstairs here in the foyer. You're going to meet your mother and your social worker and you're going to a new home to live with your half brother and sister. I thought, what the, what the dickens are you talking about? You know, at five, that's a lot to deal with because I never had, nobody ever sat me down and told me I had a mum or dad. I was constantly looking out the front window with all the other kids, hoping that someone was going to come and get, get us and rescue us, which didn't happen. But to be told that, I mean, I mean, I can't imagine um, it gets work, much worse for kids in, in, in places where, get that kind of news delivered in that fashion. I mean, it was very perfunctory. And uh, and when I sat in the foyer that, that morning, I was uh, extremely nervous about leaving the only place I'd ever known anyway as my home and those kids were my family. So, um, but when the door knocked um, and the lady came in, um, the house auntie, the matron spoke with this very big birdie lady who had dark hair. When she was talking to her, I could see there was a gold tooth there and then a big woof of perfume came in the door. And, and then there was a little lady behind her with a mousy colour hair and a little duffel coat. And I thought, oh, yeah, that must be my mum. I don't know why. I don't know why I didn't put the two together. I think it was because this person in the front never made any eye contact with me, never said hello to me. The lady behind looked very sweet and kind and cheerful. And I just, that I related to that as someone as who would be a loving, kind person. And that must be my mum. And it just wasn't, this wasn't the truth. And uh, it, yeah, we, the whole drive from Hertfordshire, which where we were, down to Ockenden in Essex, um, I, I had no conversation. She spoke not not a word to me, and yeah, window thinking what what's going on. You know, so it was a shock, you know, for for any youngster. I think to have to deal with that, and then of course when I arrived at the home where the half brother and sister were, the house auntie said to me and met us at the door. She said, "Now run along into the back garden." She said. You'll see the children out there and you'll see your brother and sister. So I thought, this is all new to me. So I went into the back garden and they were playing on a climbing frame. And the next thing I saw this little girl tugging at me up and she was like, had her glasses and she's looking at me and she's saying, you must be my sister. And I sort of looked down and I thought, oh, that's nice. You know? So she said, come with me and we'll go on the climbing frame. Well, of course, we, we went uh, to the climbing frame and with that, I then felt a hand come across my chest and pulled me. And she said, you look after your sister, after your throat. And it was it was the biological mum. And I thought, hey, this is really, you know, scary. Because the two children then, the half-brother and the sister, both then started talking to her in the mother tongue, the Turkish language. Then I suddenly realised they knew her. But I didn't know her. So that sort of segregated me again emotionally from those, from the biological mum and the, the children. And within a week, she took them back home again. So I kind of, that was it. I was stuck there in that children's home. 
and and I didn't have a, a you know any visits again. But it was about I must have think about four or five years later, the council decided, or it was I think GLC at the time because um, there were GLC houses, and it was um, the they de they deemed it that I should be go back to the home where the mother was and try to integrate us as a family. Well, that time by that time it was it for me it was too late, you know, and I didn't want to. Mrs. Pete was my savior and the person I connected to, and she was the one that I wanted to be like her to be my mum. So in my head, I was not going back with the the, the biological mum, but these the, the um, social um, workers. Uh, came down and they said no you you know you, you've got no choice this is what they want you to do so I just said to mom no I don't want to go back I said I'm not I'm not happy about going back and of course then when the mother came down the biological mum brought two guys down with her and Mrs Pete thought this isn't this isn't very good you know I don't like the idea of her going back with these people and so she tried to ring um the um the authorities and of which they said no that's you know, we, we've, we've made the decision she's got to go back, you know, and try to integrate into the family for a few weeks and then we're seeing how it goes. And then, of course, the idea was to get them back in, to get the family back together. So of course, it was in that period of time I was sexually abused by the mother's lover and it's a traumatic experience, obviously. And then it took me quite some time to settle back down um, when I got back to the children's home before I could even talk to anybody. And Mrs. Pete said, you're not yourself. She said, there's something wrong. She said, well, you need to talk to me because you're getting terrible. I didn't want to go to school. I'd hide under the table. They couldn't get me out of the kitchen, under the kitchen table. Or if I did go to school, I wasn't talking or doing my sport, what I normally do. And in the end, um, I did speak to Mrs. Pete and told her what had happened. And they got me a childcare child psychiatrist um of which I went to a few times and uh and that that did kind of help me because she then talked spoke to me about what it was that I liked most and doing my sports the problems I had with the house aunties and parents in the home and she told me about punch bag how to get rid of your energy and hitting something or doing something um uh, yeah I mean I guess uh, the authorities um not just me but back in the day, but I think they let an awful lot of kids down. Um, <sighs> I mean, when your own son came along yeah. and you had all of that behind you in your past and you were looking at this tiny wee baby thinking, right. <laughs> no, you know that, okay. For me, it was so important. The best thing that's ever happened for me is having my my son um it was important for me to break the mold um as a parent because I, I had such a terrible upbringing and yeah and to be honest I mean the most important thing for me was to be a good parent and I often ask my son now what do you do, do you, I hope I've done the best I can for you and he said you have mum he said I've had a great childhood and if you ask I mean even if I ask him today he would he would you know you yeah, I mean, he's he's an inspiration to me, my boy. But in all the all my successes that I've had in life, that is my proudest moment. You know, having having Ryan, 
and I would do it all over again. I mean, if, if if I had a chance to go back in life, I would say don't change anything because that's what's made me who I am and how I've uh, uh, achieved what I've achieved. Um, it, if you can go through life not making yourself a victim, then I'd say you've got a fairly good chance if you've got a, a strong character and put it to good use of, of succeeding and coming out at the end of that tunnel, which is what I did. And the love of, of the Whitbread family as well. I mean, it, no, no one has a perfect life. Okay. I mean, even, even in good families, you know, it's just the way you handle it and the way you look at it in terms of through what end of the lens you're looking, you know, and how you, you perceive it to be. You don't have any bitterness. No. I mean, if I did that, I would only be damaging myself. I mean, I can remember sitting in, on the wall at my second children's home because my biological dad said he was going to come and get us for the weekend, come and get me. And um, the house auntie laughed. She said, "He's not. he won't come and get you. So I thought she knew something I didn't know. But in fact, it turned out he didn't come. So I'd sat there all weekend, all Saturday. And then he said he'd come on Sunday and sat there all Sunday. But it didn't happen. And and when the biological mum came one day to take us back, we were halfway down the road and she sort of poked her elbow in my ribs and said, got something out of her bag and stuck it in my hand. And it was like 50p or something like five bob. And she said, go on, we don't want you. We don't love you. F off. And the kids also said, yeah, we don't love you. F off. And I thought, I I didn't really want I didn't really want to go anyway, but at the same time, I built myself up to go. So, yeah, these things, all of these things have a way of developing you and your character. And you can either allow them to bring you down or you can eventually process it to the point with with other experiences in your life and realise, actually, you know, I survived it. You know, I did survive it. You know, and through the help of some very inspirational people around me at the time, like Auntie Pete, and and then of course in school being sport was my saviour, and having a few good friends is around around me as well. You know, even to this day, you know, I've got a good group of friends that we we go out and do things together. You know, and uh, yeah, I'm happy. I'm a happy soul. I like to be. I like to think I am anyway. I mean, I'm not without my issues like we all have. And I'm in, in work in progress even to this day. But I deal with it and I'm trying to manage it and circumnavigate mm. and get through. Just briefly going back to Celebrity SAS, I read an interview with you when you were going in and you said one of the reasons you went in, and this was a quote from you, I wanted to check in on myself and see where I was in my life. So if I'm going to check in with you now and ask you where... Where are you in your life? What would you say? I say I'm sitting in my kitchen having a wonderful conversation with with Kate Adams, and I have admired over the years watching you on TV. Um, but how fortunate and privileged I am to have lived the life that I've lived um, through through being fortunate in, in in meeting some some very special people along the way that have helped me. Um, it's, it wasn't an ideal start to life. But I think, you know, the end part of it so far is proving to be quite, you know, interesting and you know, adventurous. 
I'll always do something that I think will make me check in on myself all the time with regard to challenges or adventures. I've got some good ideas that I want to, to push out for the next sort of uh, decade. Um, whether or not they will come to fruition is another thing, but at least my mind is still working on it. And uh, and if the body's willing, I'll definitely be giving it a go. You know? Wow, you're remarkable for us. You are remarkable. We do this little thing called Big Six O Bingo. We won't take much more of your time, I promise. But these are just random questions. Karen's got the charge here, and we just do a sort of bingo thing. Have you achieved all you wanted to? No, I don't think we can ever answer that question to, to a certain extent because um, what you have in your own mind about what you'd like to achieve is that at this moment in time, I've done as much as what's been put in front of me, but I would definitely like to. And I think that from 60 onwards for me, life is beginning because I want to take on a lot more um, uh, challenges if, if they present themselves um, and not step back out of uh, saying no because I'm worried how I'll do I mean I want to learn I want to keep learning education is important to me as well you know um, I didn't have that as a child but I learned a whole lot more by helping to educate my boy as he was growing up and I still love listening to podcasts like your own and, and educating myself and I think experiences of that uh, self-growth is so important so um, I'll always feel no I've never achieved enough in terms of, you know, I want to keep going all the time, right to the end. Yeah. One more. Uh, number 41. 41. Who's had the most impact on your life? Well, I'd have to say that I'm inspired greatly by my son, but my mum, Margaret, my adoptive mum, has had a big influence over my life, obviously. And in my early life, um, Auntie Ray, Mrs. Pete, mm. and of course my friends. I have yeah. to say my friends because they they keep me on a day-to-day -day basis in a good place. Yeah. Fatima, thank you <sighs> so much for spending time with us, honestly. We are not usually so quiet, but, you know, just, just listening to you explain with such mm -hmm. grace is, you know, quite something. So thank you so much. No, I thoroughly enjoyed it, um, Kay, and thank you both girls, because, uh, you know, I love sharing time with people and uh, special people like you, you know, make a, an impact. And, mm. I think it's wonderful. Thank you very much. Thank you. And we'll let you know about I think this will go out on the sixteenth of December, but I'll I'll check in with you just to just to confirm that. No All worries. Right. Thanks right. so Good much. Good luck with everything in the Thank future. You. Take, Take care. care. Lovely to Take meet care. you, Fatima. Bye. And you have a good festive season with your families. Thank you. you, too. you we will. You too. We will. Thank, Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Well, Fatima's autobiography is called Survivor, and I'm sure you'll agree that it sums her up perfectly. Next week, I have got a Christmas surprise for Karen. I am very excited about it, but I hope it doesn't backfire. Mm. Keep your emails coming in, podcast at howtobe60.com. <laughs>